back to Happy Porch Radio, the podcast for ambitious agency leaders. This season is all about Umbraco, the friendly CMS. Join your host, Barry O'Kane, as he talks to web agency leaders and Umbraco experts about the challenges and opportunities that a specific technology like Umbraco brings to our agencies. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Porch Radio. This is episode 11 of season 2, which is all about Umbraco. In this episode, we hear from two different people in different roles in one agency. First up is Nick, who is MD of Bluegrass Digital, and he very generously shares the story of an established successful agency and the role Umbraco plays for them. So let's meet Nick. My name's Nicholas Durrant. I'm the MD of Bluegrass Digital. We are a digital agency, although we tend to call ourselves a creative technology company these days. We have offices in in the UK, London, and and in South Africa. That's been the structure of the business for a number of years. In fact, I'm now based in Cape Town, but lived in in London for over 15 years, set up the business there at the end of the, uh, or the start of the dot-com era back in 1999 and we've basically been working predominantly with a lot of other bigger digital agencies or advertising agencies in the UK market providing sort of as working as a technical partner certainly in those early days getting our work done out of our Cape Town operation so in a sense a kind of a more boutique uh, offshore offering uh, over the years, we've picked up our own clients in the UK market, as well, as well as obviously clients that we run in Africa. And you know, Embraco has been a big part of that over the years. I, I suppose going back in time, we in the early days as a .NET house, we used to build our own custom CMSs. There wasn't really too much on the market, certainly in the open source space, to build CMS websites with. And we came across Embraco sort of in 2008, 2007, sort of under when it was in version 3. And we were getting away from rebuilding uh, our own CMS every time or you know, having to manage all these different uh, custom code components. And adopted it since then, really. And it's been a big part of our kind of, I suppose, our bread and butter of what we are as an agency and a lot of the work we do. Certainly in websites, even on mobile platforms and back office platforms we create is using the Embraco framework. And, you know, we became, I think, you know, we were the first African certified partners about five years ago. We certified our team and we sort of continue to do a lot of work in the Embraco space. So was that, and you say you were you were one of the sort of first movers or one of the people who really took advantage of Embraco in that time period. Was that conversation of, of introducing it to clients and to other agencies, was that, uh, you know, was it a difficult sell? Was it just uh, something that, you know, oh, by the way, we're using this tool? Or did you kind of present that as part of the, you know, as, a, as, a, as part of proposals and things like that? I think it was just, uh, it became sensible and you know it made sense i suppose uh, over a period of time and 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 i think many agencies wanted to create their own cms product essentially that they could license to clients or you know something you know, as developers do like to build things custom orientated rather than using something off the shelf so to speak but it, you know from a i suppose more from a business sense and and as i suppose the maturity of web solutions 
went on. You know, we, we did started to look around at certain options. We looked at products like DNN, which was kind of the really only other player that we were considering. But we, you know, we did dabble with a few projects using DNN. And, and to be honest, the whole framework and how it's how it is built as a solution didn't suit us. And then we came across Embraco. I think certainly it wasn't well known, certainly commercially, uh, back in 2007, 2008. And we started doing a few big projects with clients and introduced it to many of the clients and agencies we, we dealt with because I think everyone had been used to the custom CMS interface and managing things like that. And, and it, it did kind of take a big giant leap forward certainly with the the ui of of working with corporates and and companies to how they manage their content and the tools that you didn't have to kind of build it all the time they were out of the box so to speak so it, it just as a framework rather than a theme-based platform it allows you a lot of flexibility yes is the right way you approached implementing an embraco solution but it is a framework and not a theme-based engine, meaning you do have a kind of the architectures, you, you do have a lot of decisions to make on, on how you approach it. And obviously the template, the templating front end is, is separate to the kind of the Embraco back end. So that, you know, there's a lot more kind of design control that you have uh, over other kind of solutions out there. So this things came together and, and, you know, moving away from having to maintain your old legacy CMS platforms and having something that is upgradable, becoming almost an industry standard, which it certainly is today. And, and it's grown in the marketplace and certainly in the UK market, then the European and, you know, globally now every, uh, in the, certainly in the, in the agency space, everyone knows the Embraco CMS. How do you view Embraco? Is it a core part of the agency? Is it is it viewed as a tool? Uh, you know how how critical or how business critical do you view it? Well, it is. I mean, it's become a big marketing and strategic part of what we do as a business. And like other agencies, I know obviously in the community that have Embraco is sometimes the only solution they they offer. So it's a big part of WoW offering. And it, as I said earlier, it's kind of the bread and butter. So all our .NET team have to know uh, or you know, either be certified or need to be trained in Embraco. So we may, we've probably done 80, 90 plus websites over the years. And I mean, they range from like large global brands to large corporate sites to building using Embraco as a kind of uh, application for clients or as a mobile platform to serve content, etc. So being our open source option for clients because we do also uh, support other uh, enterprise platforms. It's, it's certainly in the mainstay of Bluegrass as a business and, and we often get clients coming to the, to us via our website or through the, our reputation in the market and, and generally it's kind of a website that's been badly built or there's a rescue or there's a support requirement ongoing. So there's quite a lot of that that comes through the door still apart from new projects that you know we will either offer you know this is the Embraco option that we recommend or uh, you can go enterprise and obviously generally the enterprise comes a cost and the, the most in, in most cases you know certainly the mid-tier market solution space that Embraco ticks the box with most clients. That's interesting so as well as that do you also use Embraco in the as part of that 
pitching proposal process for projects or is it like is it that like you described where you have that menu of options with look i mean i think most clients are certainly more informed these days than they used to be so they've often done their due diligence so they generally know what platform they want they come to us with a this is a website we want to build or design and build we would like to use embraco as a platform yes if they don't have that option and there's no tech stack specific specification then probably nine times out of ten or ten times out of ten we would first firstly push the embraco solution as as the kind of our recommended standard essentially so i mean generally that's how we approach it and, and the guys in the team here are very much try to get involved with, with with putting time into the community we built some components that uh, i think in the marketplace on embraco we've our development processes you know we've evolved our, our almost embraco template so it speeds up our development time for example so you know it, it's it's very much part of the kind of the dna of what goes on at bluegrass so to speak that's really interesting and it's something that i think is a way that agencies can really leverage as you described on braco it's that framework but that also allows you to in some cases be inefficient in terms of like re- reinventing the wheel for each project so it's interesting that you're uh, you're describing starting framework or a, a, you know a series of things that you to be more efficient in terms of build, how you're building is that something that happened organically or something that was a conscious decision well uh, yeah look it's happened organically probably in the early days it certainly didn't didn't happen i think with embraco you can do you know certified training you know level one and two however you know it's not going to change the fact that experience really counts at the end of the day both you know we've developed it as an organization but obviously the people make up that organization so as time has gone on and the leadership in the on the more the technical side have identified where we can make efficiencies and part of that is is certainly in setting up new projects and not you know having to reset up and go through the the longer process of of starting a, a clean slate every time that there is uh, savings of days on a development project by you know building a template model that can be sort of spun up and off you go type scenario uh, with the rest of the kind of core functionality of of a project so yeah, it's happened organically and and as more kind of a sort of maturity of the organization with uh, technical leadership they've kind of identified areas where processes and documentation can be implemented and improved basically okay to so just to change tack very slightly so you said you make a big investment in terms of the team and training them in umbraco making sure they're certified or at least trained and familiar with it is that a business decision as in we want to we want to be able to say you know our team is certified or you know is it a badge a public badge or how much of that is sort of efficiencies and it's and and making sure that the team has the right skills yeah i mean it's certainly it's it's both oh it's certainly a business decision as in, and partly it's obviously a marketing strategy but it's also an operational kind of strategy in terms of making sure we have the skills you can't really blow smoke in front of clients faces too much you know you need to make sure you're certified certainly we we are are technicians essentially as a business so you know you want people to be certified as you would you know you want to become a a silver or gold partner in the microsoft space if you focus on that as as a key part of your business and it's important obviously to show clients that you've kind of passed the test you've you've got certified you know it doesn't 
always mean that you actually uh, know what's going on to you know, because as I said earlier it's I think with certainly with the Braco experience counts for far much more certainly if you uh, are a, a solid developer and have good development practices and standards and you may not have done the certified training but you know you, you've you've learned through others and you've kind of you've grown that experience and you know, you, you could be far better than someone who is certified but has limited experience. So the, doing the certification certainly is a tick in the box and something you do from a marketing perspective, but all the guys in the team want to become certified. You know, it's, it's, it's for them, it's a, also a badge on their CV. And does that feed into your recruitment as well? Yes, it does. I mean, you know, we will go out and recruit specifically for Embraco's experience. Not necessarily, you know, I suppose it's a bonus that someone's got certification. I think with our team being in, in um, based down in Cape Town in South Africa, there's n- there's no courses that happen here, uh, certainly very, very often. We, we had to bring out an Embraco trainer, essentially, at the time to, to train the team and run the training within our office. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not, we, we're not in, in the European space where there's a lot of Embraco training courses happening um, throughout Europe all the time. So, you know, we're either going to have to do the same regularly to get trained up uh, as new versions of the platform come out, or we want to do refresh, or we have to send guys over to Europe, which is, you know, obviously adds to the cost of doing the training. Excellent. So, um, one of the phrases you used at the start was you just said you describe, I think you said as a creative digital agency, you describe Bluegrass now. Is that the right terminology? And does that represent um, a change from that early days as you, of the agency you described and in, uh, in working predominantly with agencies in London? No, uh, I suppose the terminology changed as the industries kind of changed. I mean, as job titles have, have evolved or suddenly appeared, uh, which weren't there 10 years ago. So, we call ourselves a creative technology company. So most of what we do, we build platforms for clients, you know, and, and those can be websites in, in the sense of a CMS-driven website, but also connected to mobile uh, front ends or mobile apps. So we build mobile apps generally. We just released our first commercial React app. Uh, native mobile app for example and react native is getting a lot of attention globally you know it's facebook's um technology which and react native the kind of mobile app uh, languages only just come out of beta in, at the end of last year so as a platform its performance is very good it's as building uh, it's as you know from a performance perspective it's, it's like building a mobile app um you know in objective c but it's cross-platform as well, and also, you know, it's a single code base rather than multi-code base when you have to build in native languages for each uh, platform you're building for. So, I mean, yeah, we, 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 we try to stay on the edge of, of cutting-edge technologies. Yes, we, yeah, a lot of the work we do is still websites. I mean, that's always been our core bread and butter going back 15 years. In some ways, you can say, like, some things have, are, are still the same. We're still building websites. The approach of building them may have changed or Maybe the underlying tech has changed or evolved, but you know, the, the end, at the end of the day, we're we, we obviously creating websites still. And obviously, Embraco is a core part of that generally. And so, do you still continue to work with other agencies? Is that a, a, still a significant chunk of your business? Yes, yeah, certainly in the UK market, it's it's probably a dual approach, but the, from a marketing strategy, we work with some of the 
big, you know, I suppose network agencies um, as a technical partner. So they, as, as cost of resources in London is getting very extortionate, they tend to look at, uh, I suppose, an offshoring type model. So being on the same time zone, you know, straight down from the UK, straight down to Cape Town, you know, there's that benefit. Some of the guys have worked in London, the UK, so the culture is very similar. And, you know, it, obviously there's a cost advantage. So, you know, it's very much still part of our strategies is working with agencies or, you know, on a kind of project basis or, or an ongoing basis. And I, I, I'm, so I'm in London fairly often meeting both from a, a existing client I suppose, oversight perspective and new business perspective as well. So you mentioned support and sort of maintenance earlier in the conversation and just there talking about ongoing relationships with certain types of agencies. How important is things like support and maintenance and, and ongoing contracts? How important is that to the agency? Well, it evolves as a quite a fundamental service that clients require, you know, the more projects and the bigger the projects you do kind of the more the importance of maintenance and support is as to to the business as well as the client often is trying to make the client understand that the importance of having a something like a service level agreement which encompasses a kind of ongoing platform support retainer for example and we certainly have clients of that size that require that. So, I mean, it becomes that maintenance component becomes another revenue kind of stream for us as a business. And again, it depends on who the client is, size of budget, et cetera, that can they kind of maintain that sort of thing? Because, you know, as you, as you get more clients, the ad hoc approach gets difficult to manage from a resourcing perspective ongoing. So having a resource team on a kind of support retainer does make sense and with Embraco, you know the usual the, the, the scenarios are that clients build the site and then leave it there for years essentially until some some security patch has not been applied or no upgrades been done because generally with Embraco, your best practice is to be upgrade, keeping it upgraded as releases come out and only a week ago there was a important security release that came out which means you know we have responsibility to inform clients and get their site patch, you know. I'm quite interested in that retainer business model around that re- the retainers thing. That's one of the things that I spent, uh, that we talked about in season one of the podcast. Do you have a particular way you structure those or is it just, uh, you know, depending on the situation and the client or is that framework around how you deliver that side of the business? Uh, look, I mean, we're trying to m- mature it, I suppose, is the right answer to a more... I call it an enterprise approach, but historically it's been based on uh, X number of hours of a resource a month. So this client may have five hours or 10 hours a month or 20 hours. So we moved it now into what we call a BAU, a business as usual framework, which has is made up of four components essentially and depending on how active the client is, but there's incident management. So yeah, if your site's important and the site goes down, yeah, what's what's a kind of priority one response to that? And that obviously needs to be purchased and paid for if, if we have to drop everything and respond to a client. And then there's platform support, so general kind of upkeep and maintenance, what you know, what has to happen, review log files, 
review kind of upgrade uh, security thing releases that need to be applied general hosting uh, upkeep that associates with Embraco platform for example then we have a CMS help desk option as well so where clients need constant questions answered or support on loading content there's that component and then there's regular development essentially which we like to kind of if clients are wanting to release uh, do regular development that it works in a kind of sprint model you know, i.e. One, one sprint a month or one sprint a quarter that they bundle a backlog of tickets in into a sprint or a, a number of feature requests into a sprint. So there's not not, not a case of uh, this week I want to do these couple of things and next week that it's it's difficult to manage that. So you can then start to build out a kind of resource, a team, a maintenance team that can be have more planned and uh, approach rather than a reactive approach, I suppose. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. Really strong way of dealing with what I think is a very common problem in that uh, reactive, uh, as you said, of resourcing and scheduling it can cause real headaches. Is that a framework that you've adapted from other places or a framework that you've put together yourself, the incident, you know, the platform and the other two pieces? Uh, we've adapted it. I mean, so essentially, like anything, we work with different agents. We learn things as well as they learn things from us. So kind of looked at the because it's always been difficult to deal with you know and saying okay an F- SLA means you pay this and we'll, there'll be a response time and you know regular work is prioritized over clients that don't have an SLA and and we say the work can generally start within three to five days but if everyone phones up at the same time you're going to you're going to be stuck and I, I look I mean I know agencies all deal with the same problem I think certainly the smaller clients are less understanding than more corporate oriented clients which you know understand that work structures and, and processes so that's why I said earlier it's like a maturity we've learned something new and, and trying to now move clients away from these old old kind of SLAs because they don't work for us and as you bring on bigger clients and bigger projects you know you you essentially you grow as a business so probably your smaller clients will need to move on or you'll move them on yourself if you know what i mean yeah 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 i know exactly and and i think that's true i mean obviously that is re- can be a really painful process for agencies to manage but i think as a, as a result that doesn't help the clients either if their agencies constantly in a sort of firefighting reactive mode then obviously the looking at quality issues and and scheduling issues and then potentially the agency actually not being able to deliver the value that they're looking for yeah no exactly well, I, as I said earlier, I really, really appreciate your time and thanks for sharing all of that. I, I really enjoyed it. I think there's a lot of really interesting and valuable stuff there that uh, to include in the show. Just to finally finish off, if anybody who's listening wants to find out a little bit more about yourself or about Bluegrass Digital, where should we send them? Well, we are busy with a new website, so but generally best protocol is www.bluegrassdigital.com. We should be in the next few months relaunching a new website, which is well overdue. I think we all know agencies are not very good at building their own websites. So that's always the best port of call. Uh, click on the Contact Us button and all our contact details there. Uh, otherwise, you can always email myself, Nick, N-I-C-K, at bluegrassdigital.com. Next up is Jacques, a developer with Bluegrass, and he shares his story of being a developer and gives us an insight into Embraco development in the agency. It is really cool to hear from two people within the same agency, and I'm incredibly grateful to both Nick and Jacques for giving us so generously. So let's meet Jacques. 
Hi, I'm Jacques Nell. I'm a software developer here at Bluegrass Digital. We have both situated in London and in Cape Town. I'm currently at the Cape Town branch. And we focus on development for websites, applications, mobile applications, but mainly, mainly websites. And most of our websites are strangely, funny enough, in Brocco, mainly because it's affordable, it's not so difficult to work with, and it's very easy to customize. We also do specialize in you doing EpiServer as well as Sitecore for the more bigger commercial clients that we have. But Umbraco is our main focus at the moment. So let's talk a little bit about yourself. You're, you're a developer. Have you been with Bluegrass for a long time? What's, your, what's the quick summary of your development background? So I've been at Bluegrass now for four years. Before I was more into financial programming and SQL. But now in the past four years, I've been solely into mostly doing Umbraco development developing websites with Bluegrass. Since since inversion of Embraco 4, I think it is, yes. And then Embraco 6 came out, and there was more web forms and ASP.NET. And then when inversion 7 came out and it introduced more into MVC approach, which did a lot of, saved a lot of heartache and helped with a lot of problems and issues that we had with the previous versions of Embraco. Now it's becoming a more smoother, uh, nicer journey to work with. Yeah, I think version 7 was a world changer. Had you worked with any Microsoft framework, ASP.NET or C-Sharp, before working with Umbraco? Uh, yes. I've done numerous C-Sharp, ASP.NET, web form websites. Done a few web API, more just for like mobile applications and that. I've done projects regarding that as well. And, is, and so did that make the transition to picking up on Braco and understanding the framework and so on relatively easy if you were already familiar with the Microsoft framework? So funny that you say that. The reason why I say Braco is actually quite easy because I, when I first started in, uh, at Bluegrass, I didn't even know what a CMS was. And to get your mindset and how to work with a CMS, it can be challenging. But Braco for me... The videos are quite self-explanatory and they explain very well how the system works and what you can all do. And I actually picked it up quite quickly, actually. So that, that was a plus for me. And I was actually amazed how much you can get done in just a very short amount of time. I mean, you can actually probably build a very simple little website in a few hours and it will be quite well performant as well. Especially for a free solution as well, I think it's it's very good. That's interesting. So you, you you didn't even know what a CMS was, and you said it's relatively easy to pick up. Is that compared to some of the other CMS tools that you've used, or do you mean just as a purely as coming at it from you, it was easy to pick up? Okay, so the other obviously the only other CMS that I have worked with, just from with with friends, and that is WordPress. Obviously, that's another framework that's PHP, but. That's CMS. Maybe now it's probably a lot more uh, simpler to work with, but I did find it more confusing and the journey was much more harder to get things done as opposed to in Broker. And especially if you're not familiar with PHP, I can see WordPress is a bit of a mountain to climb. Yes, definitely. And you can break something quite horribly badly <laughs> if you don't know what you're currently doing when it comes to customizing it. Cool. So... And then from the agency point of view, I, I guess what you're saying is that they were already using Umbraco before you started? Correct, yeah. They were Umbraco version 4. There were, there were a, lot of, a lot of websites that they have done over Umbraco version 4. Okay, so then I, I don't know if you're able to share, like, what what's the most interesting or most fun project that you've worked on recently? 
Uh, I've actually worked with quite a few. I've done a project, actually funny and strangely enough, also in the UK. Uh, they're called uh, Silver Saints. And what they do is they're a team that does plumbing and pretty much all handiwork in that they would go to people's houses. It's silversaints.com. It's quite an interesting way that they market themselves because there are a bunch of guys on motorcycles that would drive to you, your to your house. <laughs> so in, I think what they what they trying because Silver Saints it sounds like a Harley Davidson you know those biker gangs but they yeah but they're the saints and they're coming to to solve and save your problem. So that was um, and they've recently now re- released an app to do your bookings as well and to to handle your queries as a customer. That was also recently released, and that's also using Embraco with Ionic, I think it is. Yes, it was done in Ionic, the app. And then the other one that recently was done was, it's a massive petroleum-based company. It's called Petrofac. Uh, that was also done in Embraco recently as well. And that one is quite interesting because that site is literally based on what we call widgets. So you pretty much just create like little kinds of building blocks and then you can reuse them all over in the site on the site and put them in places and it would show it on the site so it's very quite quite a nice customizable cms platform and then a few years ago well two years ago there was another local platform called fires football that's based on a rocker as well that's a five versus five indoor out indoor soccer gaming platform, something similar to where you you know you can check your stats and uh, you can create a team and you can join players of a team and all of that. So at the moment it's local in South Africa, but I got a feeling they want to grow and go bigger at the moment. So those are the three interesting projects that I've been involved in now, and they're all using Embraco at the moment. So when you say interesting, and I think this is, for me, this is interesting, is it interesting for you because of the technology? Like you say, you've created this flexible widgets framework or interesting because it's a cool company like the dudes around on their bikes? Or, you know, for you, for you, what is it, what is it that makes it interesting? So besides the fact that it's cool that they were riding on their bikes, it's cool because in each project, something that the client wants or wants to be able to do in the CMS. I've had different challenges or different, how would I say, approaches of how to do something. So in one example, like the widgets was a completely new way of, generally you would just have a page and then you would just have your your content on a page. But in this case now with one for Petrofac, you would build all your little components that you want and then you would just drag them and put them on the page. This is an example. So that was an interesting approach on how to do a website and then what was also then interesting was to use Embraco as a database to do calls for a mobile application and that actually was also another different approach and that was also interesting for me as well that it actually works quite well. And so when you describe the widgets thing as a new setup for you do you have a do you start on Braco projects, do you have like a, a, a library or a base? Or, or do you always start from the same place or do you, or is each pro- project more custom? So we do have a base. I'm still working on that base to improve it more. But it generally is just the way how we would structure our projects and a general approach on how to make the CMS content and to work in the CMS a way that we do things just more easier for the client to understand. 
And if we need to change it or customize it, um, if they don't agree with it, we do change it and customize it to their liking anyway afterwards. But we do have a basis of how we start and do things, yes, in all Embraco projects. Okay, and how does that fit into... Uh, like the whole project flow so you've got you know uh, some sort of planning or requirements gathering or design process at the start then is there a sort of linear flow of front-end design front-end happens and then it gets passed to you is there a more sort of uh, is there a more integrated or different approach or you know is there is there a standard flow for the projects that you're mostly working on in Embraco? So there is a standard flow. So generally, once the the functional specification of what the, everything that the client wants is noted and done, then the design team will design what the website and that would look like. Until the client is happy with the designs and other pages and the functionality, then if that is being confirmed that that's what we're going to go with, then that is given to the front-end team. The front-end team will do the templates do the HTML, any AJAX queries or anything functionally related work that needs to be done, then that would be then sent to the backend developers and the backend developers will then make use of those templates and then build a CMS working with those templates. And one interesting little question for me, when you, with the QA team you mentioned, do they test, do they QA the Umbraco back office interface or how much attention do they pay to the editor experience as well as to testing, you know, browser testing and everything on the front end? So they test the browser so based on what the client requests, whether it must, what browsers it must support and what platforms it must support, whether it must work on iPad and that. They will test all aspects of that, but they will also test the CMS journey. So in other words, is it, is it friendly and easy to make changes and has it been labeled nicely and has it been explained nicely in the CMS to change content and edit content. So that part is definitely tested. And if something is not happy from their side and they think it can be done better, then it will be sent back and then they will give their feedback and then that would be changed based on that. Interesting. That is really powerful to me. I think that the editor experience is such a fundamental part to the success of the website, obviously. So they literally, they looked all the way down to like labels and, and, the, and the process of editing. Or, you know, how, Is it really that detailed? Yeah, because... I mean, the developer can sometimes even make spelling mistakes as well. <laughs> so if you spell something wrong in a label, if you spell something wrong in a description or a description is not making sense of what they're actually saying to the client, then that definitely would have to be rephrased and redone. So what about then after a project? Do you also have uh, clients on like uh, ongoing uh, engagements and doing dealing with support and upgrades and changes and so on? Yes, we do. We have a, an agreement, depending on what the client wants. There's, you can almost say like a retainer. So they would buy a set number of hours or a set number of months or weeks based on what, and then they would use that to, if there's any problems or any changes that they would like done, then they would use that and then we would build them with using those hours and then we would fix it or add any extra new features or any extra functionality that they require. And how does that process work? Is there, a, is there like a ticketing system? Is there, does it go through the same project management process as the main projects or is it a different process? It's a slightly more complicated and different process, but it does, it does go through the project management team. And our tool that we use for internal ticket system is Redmine. So I'm not know if you're familiar with Redmine. But yeah, the clients would have free roam pretty much in Redmine. They would log their requests and their tickets and then eventually... Those tickets will be investigated and they will be checked to see if it 
is a bug or if it can be done and then those tickets are then sent to the developers to give an estimate of how long something would be take to be done and then that time and that work would be scheduled sometime when there's an availability to do the work. So it's all quite strictly scheduled by the PM team? Correct. And then connected to that, do you, as part of that, do like upgrade Umbraco versions and upgrade any packages you use and deal with that side of things as well? Yeah, so generally, sometimes Umbraco, they do release security. Well, I think they recently released one, but it's only for older versions of Umbraco. They will say this is a huge security flaw or security issue. We will then definitely notify our clients of that, and we'll tell them how long much it would take to to, to fix or update to fix that problem but generally the clients are not that keen or happy to go to a higher version unless they really need to i mean if everything is working they don't necessarily want to then go and go to a higher version of embraco or upgrade when it comes to using packages or plugins in embraco the developers we make sure if we're using external packages or something in embraco if it hasn't, because at the moment now, luckily, since Umbraco version 7, they introduced in the packages or in Umbraco on their site, there's a percentage of how much it was tested on for each version. And we only allow we only allow implementing of packages if it's at least been tested 90%. If it hasn't been tested 90%, then we will not use that package in the version of Umbraco that we're currently on. So what, from your point of view as a developer, what are the biggest challenges you face in that uh, working on bracket projects from the sort of process and scheduling side? So the biggest challenges I find is when you need to make drastic changes to the CMS, the database, uh, in other words, like structural changes or property changes, that can be a problem because because you're making structural and property changes Unfortunately, code is not going to solve that. It either has to manually be done in the CMS and then it'll reflect, or what we use is now a tool called Usync, which Kevin Jump came up with, and it's an amazing tool, but there are still some a few drawbacks regarding it, and he's still working constantly on it and, and coming up with new solutions and new ways on how to overcome some of the issues that have arisen because Embraco is such an open platform and you can do so many customizable components in your own way of doing things. He can't obviously foresee every single possible scenario of how to keep that data and sync that, that, that data to the Embraco database. So another uh, what I want to see going forward, because Embraco 8 is coming soon, and I'm quite excited about that because it is a whole rework. It's no longer based on the old DLLs that Embraco was one from since version 6, which is still in version 7, and obviously they're keeping it for all the backwards compatibility problems. But the new version of Embraco apparently is from the ground up a whole brand new clean platform and a whole new approach on how to do things. And I am hoping one of the approaches of what they're doing things is code first, which is what I mean by that is your code that you're building, your models, that it will actually create and build the properties and the template and the, the document types or the templates in Embraco for you. And the great thing about that approach is if they need changes and all of that done, then all that needs to be done is the code needs to be changed and then that code change will reflect in the CMS and then our problem of changes and, and differences are solved. 
which is what API Server does, which is the, one of the reasons I only like one of the one of the aspects of API Server that I do enjoy is that approach of code first, where whatever you whatever models or whatever properties that you code in in on the back end, it will reflect in the CMS and and it will implement those changes. So I'm not sure all the fully, full details of Embraco 8. I'm hoping they're going to do something along that route. I think they might because there is in a recent version of Embraco 7.4, I think upwards, they introduced a model builder. And what that does is it does it the other way around. It creates a model in code for you based on what is in the CMS. And then you use the, those models that they've given you to work with on the website or on the application. But I'm hoping they have a way that they can do it the other way around. Interesting comparison there with EpiServer as well. Are there other things that you think in EpiServer and also in Sitecore that you have a preference for, you think that are better than Umbraco? So EpiServer and Sitecore, they have quite a lot of complexity involved and to understand them and to work with them. I think from the CMS perspective, obviously, that is the set their selling point. It is very, very nice, like a rich experience and inline editing and all of that in content-wise for the client and for the customer. But it can be sometimes quite troublesome and a nightmare for the developer to make that experience. Well, not really EpiServer. EpiServer is quite a site call. Uh, both they have their ups and downs. But the main thing that I do want to stress, though, is those are not free solutions, and Embraco is a free solution. Yeah, the open source is the, is, is a major difference between them. Yeah. So, in, in, for, so even for any developer that wants to just start up and do their own business or even just do their own websites, you don't need a license or anything. You can literally use Embraco as your building tool for doing to, to, to pursue that, whereas the more commercialized products like EpiServer and Sitecore and all those other ones out there, they have, you can develop locally and it will work, but when you want to deploy it to live and that, that's when you need your license and you have to pay for it and it's quite expensive. And Microsoft has also gone this route as well. With Microsoft before, you had to pay quite a lot of money for a Visual Studio license as a developer just to be able to code and deploy a website. Now, they're going the whole open source route where if you're within less than five people, in a, in a company from the it's free and you're allowed to develop your websites as you choose. And I, I think that is a good approach and that is a, a very good idea that they have gone down that route because it made me worry as well as a C, most C-sharp developers and Microsoft developers, to be honest, like I was quite concerned if ever one day will I always need to be working for a company and I can never work for myself because of the whole licensing issue and all of that. Whereas all those open source developers, PHP and all of that, they don't have any of that issue because everything is free. All their tools are free. Everything that they want to use and implement is free. And that was an issue for me and I was worried about that. But push comes to serve. Luckily, it uh, has happened and uh, I don't, us developers, C-sharp developers and Microsoft developers don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, totally. I think you're right there. Microsoft's move, particularly the ASP.NET and MVC frameworks, move to open source is very significant over the last uh, whatever years. And now Embraco is recently released now also Embraco as a service, which is allowing you to put your website on their, in the cloud. 
um, and they will handle hosting and all of that. And even upgrades and upgrades of packagings and all of that. I'm not sure how they're doing it, but that's what they offer at the moment. So you haven't had a play with that yet? We, we haven't had a play yet with it. We're still looking into it because um, Microsoft Azure also, they also offer it as well. <laughs> as well. So we, we, we're looking at our options of, you know, cost-wise and that is it worth it as opposed to us hosting, because we do hosting ourselves as well at, our, at this Bluegrass. We also do hosting for clients as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, the case. A lot of agencies having this opportunity now to look at Umbrac as a service and compare it with uh, existing options and, and, and potentially move or at least move some clients, the right sorts of clients. Actually, just, to be, just as we finish up, I, I want to go back to something you said a little while ago. We're talking about upgrades and you said that our clients often don't want to or, or don't see the value in upgrading on Braco versions unless they really have to. Why do you think that is? I think it's it's actually it's strange. I mean, I feel the same way when it comes to Windows updates. Why do I need to update my Windows if my Windows is working? And why do I need to download and use all my data just to update Windows because I have to? And it's, it's saying that I have to. So in Windows, I can understand why you need to have it done because of security flaws and all of that. But then I would say it goes the same for Embraco as well. Eventually, you will need to do upgrades in that. But the nice thing about the security flaws is that Embraco enlightens us on the situation on which versions that happens. So in that case, that's when you would definitely need to do an upgrade. But otherwise, an upgrade isn't really, really necessary unless they need to use something that does require the higher version of Embraco. And I'm guessing also it might be just a little bit of the costs involved to upgrade Embraco because it can, depending on the version they're on and depending the packages involved, it can take long or it can take not, not too long depending on the on what the client is using. Uh, like, for example, in one case, to upgrade an Embraco version from 6 to 7, that took almost an entire day. Whereas to upgrade a version of Embraco from 7.1 to 7.3, that took like three hours. So I would say if the, if the upgrade is from a lower, lower version, from major version from 6 to 7, then I think they would rather just stay and then rather re do another project that we would like to move to Embraco and maybe just do another whole site, you know, and rebuild it using MVC and so forth. Whereas if it's just a version, main, minor version from 7 onwards to something, 7.1 or 7.2, 7.3, then I would say I can't see why that should be an issue. Well, I, th- I don't want to take up too much of your day. I realize you've probably got lots of work to do. But do you think there's anything, to thinking about Umbraco and particularly thinking about Umbraco within agencies like Bluegrass, do you think there's anything else, you know, any, any other thoughts or any other th- comments or, or input you'd like to, to add? Not really. Besides the fact that we've been working with Umbraco for quite a long time and we've had our ups and downs with it, but it's still one of our reliable CMS tools that we work with. We also recently got WordPress devs in as well, so now so we also do do WordPress as well. But my honest opinion, I really still think Embraco is an amazing tool. You can get all the links and notes from this episode on happyporchradio.com. If you enjoyed the show, please spare a moment to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. <laughs>